0: What I'm going to do is, we have been on this journey uh, of going through prophecy and looking at connection of different things in the Scripture. One of the one of the aspects of prophecy and going through and understanding prophecy a lot of times is understanding the relationship that some of the Old Testament characters have to prophecy and some of those things that are yet to be fulfilled which have not been fulfilled that were given as a promise by God back in the Old Testament, of course, Abraham being one of them. And you know, one of the things we often talk about, and we hear this a lot, is about the patriarchs. Well, the question depends on who you ask is, who are the patriarchs? Well, the scripture actually makes it very clear For us, the scripture lists who the patriarchs are, and uh, so we know them. You know, one of the things that the religious community, even of Jesus' day, struggled with more than anything else, and they had a difficult time with Jesus and what Jesus was claiming and who he claimed to be, because they kept making reference and they kept going back to our father Abraham and uh so it is very prevalent uh as you as you read and understand the scripture and even when you leave Genesis chapter 12 through chapter 50 and you make your way through the old testament you get into the book of Ezekiel and one of the things that we saw in the book of Ezekiel when you get to chapter 47 and 48 is a redistribution of the land of Israel well Uh, That land, they have never, ever inherited completely in the covenant that was given to Abraham. But I can tell you this, they're going to. And the Abrahamic covenant is going to be completely fulfilled. The covenant that was made to Abraham by God, and it will be fulfilled. When will that happen? It will be happening in the millennial kingdom. Uh, the second coming of Jesus Christ. That land, then, of course, will be uh, distributed accordingly, and they will possess every square inch of that land. Well, what about Isaac? What is the significance of Isaac in all of this? What's the significance of Jacob? And then there are those uh, Bible critics who think that the patriarchs are missing two; uh, the two often get left out of the equation. Well, I can tell you right now that they are not to be included in the equation because Ishmael being one of them was the son of the flesh. And matter of fact, that is spoken about in the New Testament itself, specifically of Ishmael being the son of the flesh. The other one that is often confused and is often attempted to be placed into that list of the patriarchs is Esau. So you have Abraham, and then you would have Ishmael, and you would have Isaac, and then coming on down the line, you would have Jacob and Esau. And then, of course, we all know the story behind Esau and uh, Jacob. But here's the interesting thing about the, the, the biblical text, is when it talks about the patriarchs, it only lists Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And that are the three patriarchs, or that is the three patriarchs that are contained in the scripture. A lot of people wonder about Moses. Moses was not a patriarch. Uh, Even though Moses is held in very high esteem. Ezekiel often is, they try to or attempt to put Ezekiel in that list. Well, he's not in there either. Also Elijah. Uh, Matter of fact, uh, if you ever get an opportunity and you go to Israel and you have the opportunity to go into a synagogue over in Israel, here's an interesting thing that you will see inside of the synagogue. When you stand facing the platform, as you're sitting facing the platform here, over here on this far corner of their platform is a very large chair that sits over there. And when you talk to those that uh, attend that synagogue, here's what they will tell you. That chair that is sitting in that corner, they are waiting on Elijah. And matter of fact, they're waiting on Elijah based upon the prophet Malachi. And what Malachi says in the closing chapter of chapter 4 of Malachi, they're waiting for the return of Elijah. So when you look at all of these and you try to think about all of this and you try to put all of this through, sometimes it can get a little bit uh, difficult. Let's go to James chapter 2. I'm going to just kind of whet your appetite tonight. This is going to kind of be an introduction. I'm going to go through the patriarchs. I'm going to go through Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Uh, We'll look at Ishmael and Esau only from the standpoint of what occurred in those. And then what we're going to do is make their connection as well uh, to the last days. And uh, I think, and I hope and pray that it will kind of shed some light on some things that we often miss when we study prophecy and we look at the last days. James chapter 2, beginning in um, verse 21, all right? Matter of fact, James is going to speak about He's having a discussion over faith versus works. And so when you come to verse 21, was not Abraham our father? And I want you to notice the use of that phrase. Abraham our father. Justified by works when he offered up Isaac his son on the altar. You see that faith was working with his works. And as a result of the works, faith was perfected or completed. And then look at verse 23. And the scripture was fulfilled, which says, And Abraham believed God, and it was reckoned or accounted to him as righteousness. Abraham was not made righteous, but his faith in God, okay, was accounted to him or reckoned him as righteous. All right? But I want you to notice the end of verse 23. A lot of folks don't understand this or have never heard this, but I want you to notice the commentary of Abraham. And he was called the friend of God. He was called the friend of God. Go back to Hebrews chapter number 11. Hebrews chapter 11 is interesting because it's going to list the three patriarchs for us. In one verse with Abraham, right? Hebrews chapter number 11, beginning in verse number 8. Hebrews chapter 11, beginning in verse number 8. I'm going to try to do tonight, or not do tonight, what I did this morning. I went through this afternoon, and I double-checked every one, okay? I say? Okay, chapter 11, verse 8. Okay, that's where we are. All right. By faith, Abraham, when he was called, obeyed by going out to a place which he was to receive for an inheritance. And he went out not knowing where he was going. By faith, he lived as an alien in the land of promise, as in a foreign land, dwelling in tents with Isaac and who? Jacob. Fellow heirs... Of the same promise so you have Abraham Isaac and Jacob who are the three patriarchs verse 10 for he was looking for the city which has foundations whose architect and builder of course is God so who are the patriarchs when you think about patriarchs in scripture actually who are they I mean, if we were to define them as to who they are, uh, what kind of definition would be applied to these three, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and to the term patriarchs? Well, they are the generations of Israel's founders. And matter of fact, they are recounted in Genesis chapter 12 through chapter 50. All of those chapters contain all of it. The covenant that was made by God with Abraham... And see, I think sometimes we also lose sight of this, but the covenant that God made with Abraham was the basis for the Mosaic covenant that you had made with Moses. So these covenants that you have throughout Scripture, you know, oftentimes we just kind of, we've heard them and we've heard about them, but do we really know and understand the content of those covenants? The covenant that was made by God with Abraham has eight different conditions in that covenant. And so when you go through and you look at all of those, it's amazing what is contained with inside of the covenant itself. You have the Davidic covenant, the covenant that was made with David. When you go and uncover and look at the Davidic covenant and all of those things that are contained within inside of the covenant with David, that will be fulfilled completely in the millennial kingdom. As a matter of fact, the throne of David will be reestablished in the city of Jerusalem. And then we know, of course, that Jesus Christ will rule and reign from the city of Jerusalem for the thousand-year period. So all of these covenants, you know, we have them beginning with Abraham in chapter 12 of the book of Genesis, going all the way through the Davidic covenant as well, going all the way through to the New They're all connected, okay? And I think sometimes we lose sight of the fact, and we get kind of turned around just a little bit thinking that you know there are all of these individual little islands out here but i want to say something to you tonight the plan of god is fully intertwined from genesis all the way through to the book of the revelation and you can't discount any part of it so the patriarchs or the fathers matter of fact one of the things when you go through and you read the new testament and you take a look at matthew mark In Luke, the three synoptic gospels, the Pharisees had difficulties and they had problems with Jesus himself. Why? Because he claimed to be the son of God. And he spoke of it this way. If you've seen me, you've seen the father. And that relationship and that reference back to the father just turned them sideways. Because here's what they would always say. We have no father but Abraham. And you claim Abraham's been dead for all of these years, and yet you claim you know him and have seen him? So they struggled with all of that, even from that perspective, uh, when you think about it. Now, patriarchs are fathers. uh, When you look at the Scripture, is the name given to Abraham. His son Isaac and his grandson Jacob. Now, I know you hear me talk about this all the time. It's genealogies. Let me say something to you. Do not skip over genealogies okay they're important and I know some of you probably look at it okay but brother Robert when you read you mean to tell me you read all the genealogies in 1st Chronicles chapter 1 2 3 4 5 6 and 7 yep Mm -hmm. and you go through and you trace and you can see all through those genealogies the way everything is connected and so as you're reading and studying the scripture let me ask you a question You ever come across a name in scripture have no idea who they're connected to who they belong to what's the significance of the purpose of them okay any of y'all do that are you ready for this i've been through the genealogies and i still have that happen sometimes okay but they're all they're all so connected okay so when you think about abraham isaac and jacob and 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 to consider this they're all related you have abraham the father isaac the son and jacob the grandson okay so they're all connected uh, when you consider them now this family matter of fact when you're if if you're in Israel or you read and study anything about Judaism this family became the ancestors of the nation of Israel Uh, that's who they are although the term is considered by many matter of fact there are even some within Judaism that think Ishmael and Isaac or Ishmael and Esau ought to be included well they're not included in the promise They're not included in the covenant that God made with Abraham. And so, therefore, they would not be included. Patriarchs usually refer uh, to only those names, uh, to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. They are frequently referenced in the Old Testament as a group. I'll tell you what, let's go to Exodus chapter 3, all right? Exodus chapter number 3, verse 15 and 16. Exodus chapter 3 verse 15 and verse 16 and you're going to see they're spoken of okay uh in this manner as we make our way into the book of exodus as we make our way into um the actually the the history of the hebrews all right so um chapter 3 uh beginning i tell you what let's start in verse 13 all right So then Moses said to God, behold, I am going to the sons of Israel, and I will say to them, the God of your fathers has sent me to you, and now they may say to me, so what's his name? And what shall I say to them? And so verse 14, God said to Moses, I am who I am. And he said, thus you shall say to the sons of Israel, I am has sent me to you. God furthermore said to Moses, Thus you shall say to the sons of Israel, The Lord, the God of your fathers. And I want you to notice very... Now this is coming from God himself directly. And I want you to notice in here, God does not include Ishmael nor Esau. And I want you to notice specifically what God says to Moses here he said the Lord the God of your fathers the God of Abraham the God of Isaac and the God of Jacob has sent me to you and this is my name forever and this is my memorial name to all generations notice who's listed there Abraham Isaac and Jacob not Ishmael and not Esau all right let's go to Deuteronomy chapter number one Deuteronomy chapter 1 and verse number 8. Deuteronomy chapter 1 and verse number 8. And I want you to notice again. You're going to see the same listing again. Deuteronomy chapter 1. And Notice verse 8. See, I have placed the land before you. Go in and possess the land which the Lord swore to give to your fathers. To who? To Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob. To them and their descendants after them. So to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. You do not see Ishmael nor Esau listed there. And if that's not enough, let's go to Psalm 105. All right, Psalm 105. Psalm 105, verse 9 and verse 10. Okay, notice this. The covenant which he made with Abraham and his oath to Isaac, then he confirmed it to Jacob for a statute to Israel as an everlasting covenant, saying... To you I will give the land of Canaan as the portion of your inheritance. When they were only a few men in number, very few, and strangers in it. So we see here them listed again as who? Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob only. Now, here's something else that's interesting. Now we're going to go to the New Testament. I want you to turn with me to the book of Acts. Acts chapter number 7, and we see something very interesting um, that is going to be included here. Acts chapter number 7. Something that was very interesting is sometimes Jacob's 12 sons were listed among the patriarchs, and we see that in Acts chapter 7. Matter of fact, Stephen, uh, of which Acts chapter 7 is an account for for us, uh, Stephen's defense, and matter of fact, Stephen, as he is speaking, is going to allude to that. So, starting in verse 6 of Acts chapter 7, I want you to notice Stephen's defense. He said, But God spoke to this effect that his descendants would be aliens in a foreign land and that they would be enslaved and mistreated for 400 years. That's the time that they were in Egypt. Verse 7, And whatever nation to which they will be in bondage, I myself will judge, said God. And after that, they will come out and serve me in this place. And he gave him the covenant of circumcision. And so Abraham became the father of Isaac and circumcised him on the eighth day. And Isaac became the father of Jacob and Jacob of the twelve patriarchs. Now, it's interesting that they're included here, but they are, okay? And so I want you to notice that. Is there any significance to that? No, other than they are the 12 tribes of Israel, all right? And so they're included in this particular list. Now, the patriarchs. Well, if you consider Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, what was the time period in which they probably lived if you look at a little bit of the history depending on the chronological order that is used to determine some of these dates somewhere between 2100 and 1200 BC sometime in that period sometime in that time frame okay there is there is a calculation that is done that puts them somewhere between um, 18 something BC down to about 1200 BC So it's anywhere from 2100 B.C. to 1200 B.C. That's the time period that we speak about and refer to, especially during the time of of the patriarchs. And who are they? I mean, how much do we know about Abraham? How much do we know about Isaac? And how much do we know about Jacob? Um, We know a little bit more than most consider that we derive from the Scripture themselves about who they really were. And let me say this about Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. They were not poor people. Uh, they were not peasants. They were not, um, they were not Bedouins from the standpoint of having little. Okay, um, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob would have been probably fairly, to some degree, fairly wealthy. Uh, Abraham leaves the Ur of the Chaldees, leaves his father's house, um, gathers everything together. And um, let me ask you this question. How many of you all remember the account of Abraham and Lot? When Abraham looked at Lot and said, there's not enough pasture land here for all of our cattle and for all of our livestock. So, well, let me share one thing with you. Uh, in those days, your wealth was determined by how much you had livestock-wise. So they would have been fairly wealthy. They would have had a good amount, if, even, including, uh, even including Isaac. Uh, matter of fact, they were, they were considered to be wealthy nomads. And though occasionally they farmed, I mean they did—they did farm to some extent. Go to Genesis chapter 26, and let's look at verse number 12, and uh, we'll look at Isaac for just a moment. Isaac uh, in chapter 26 of Genesis. Now you're going to get a description of who Isaac was. Okay, I want you to understand Isaac was uh, not—he was not a poor man. All right. So beginning in verse number 12 of Genesis 26, now Isaac sowed in that land and he reaped in the same year a hundredfold, and the Lord blessed him, and the man became rich, and continued to grow richer until he became very wealthy. For he had possessions of flocks and herds and a great household, so that the Philistines envied him. So he had great possessions. Let me tell you something. In, in this day, during this time, uh, Bible manners and customs, the more livestock you had, uh, the more family that you had, the richer you were considered, the wealthier you were considered. Okay? And so we find Isaac here giving us a, a pretty good idea of who they were. Now I will say this, with the exception of uh, the burial site at Hebron in Genesis chapter 23 in the region of Shechem uh, that we find in Genesis chapter 33 through chapter 34 and then again in chapter 48. um, They did not own any land per se. Uh, they They were continuously moving. Matter of fact, Abraham, a descendant of Noah's son Shem, Originally lived in Ur. And so we see that they've traveled around. They didn't stay in any one single spot for any length of time. And y'all did know that Abraham was a, def- a descendant, okay? Uh, when you go back and you look at the, uh, the line of Noah, Abraham is a descendant of Shem, okay? And that is found in Genesis chapter 11, all right? When you go back and you look at the genealogy contained in Genesis chapter number All right. I know this is a lot of information, but this is kind of just the introduction. This is just going to kind of whet your appetite just a little bit as we make our way through here. Abraham is interesting when you consider the life of Abraham. He was called by God to settle in the southern uh, area of the land of israel commonly called palestine and most are under the impression that you know that abraham was never in the land of canaan well let me share something with you that's where he was brought to he was brought to the land of canaan and a matter of fact the covenant that god made with abraham the children of israel are going to possess all of this land and a matter of fact the covenant that i make with you and so as he traveled from the Ur of the Chaldees, he actually went from the Ur of the Chaldees. If you have a map in the back of your Bible, uh, it might show this uh, in the back of your Bible on the map. Uh, but when you move from the Ur of the Chaldees over towards the Babylonian area, okay, he'd come from the Ur of the, uh, Ur of the Chaldees, he'd come around by Haran, which would be up towards the north part, and then he would come on down into Israel, into the, into the land of Canaan. So you might have that in your Bible in the back. If you've got any maps in the back, it might show uh, some of that. Now, let's go back to Acts chapter number 7. All right, Acts chapter number 7. And uh, we get a little bit more information from Stephen uh, concerning Abraham and what is taking place here. Matter of fact, Stephen's defense here uh, reports that God appeared to Abraham before he lived in Haran. Showing that the Lord led Abraham, of course, on this journey from the beginning at Ur to his final destination in Canaan, so don't think for a moment that no one none of them ever lived in the land of Canaan. Abraham lived in the land of Canaan before the Hebrews went into captivity to Egypt, okay So he was very familiar with the land that was there. Acts chapter number seven, though, but I want you to notice verse two through verse number four. I'll tell you what, let's do this. Start in verse 1. Let's get the whole context. So the high priest said, Are these things so? And he said, Hear me, brethren and fathers. The God of glory appeared to our father Abraham when he was in Mesopotamia. That's the Ur of the Chaldees. That is the same region. That's the same area. And notice what he said. Before he lived in Haran. Okay? And he said to him, I want you to leave your country and your relatives and come into the land that I will show you. So then he left the land of the Chaldeans and he settled in Haran. If you'll remember the book of Daniel, you'll remember in the book of Daniel that the Babylonians were also referred to as the Chaldeans. And so the Ur of the Chaldees is actually in that region of Babylon. So he comes all the way from Mesopotamia, or the Babylonian region, makes his way to Haran on the northern side, and then he comes down into the land of Canaan. Now I will tell you, that was quite a journey for Abraham to travel, leaving the Ur of the Chaldees, not having any idea where he was going other than this is the land that I'm going to bring you to, that I'm promising to you. And that's about all he knew. And so for Abraham to... To leave his house and his, his homeland and his father's house and to gather up what he gathered and to make that journey speaks a lot about the faith of Abraham. And so after the promise of a land, the second promise is a numerous nation. Let's go to Acts, or Genesis chapter number 12. And I just want to just real quickly just kind of hit some of the highlights of the Abrahamic covenant before we close our time tonight. Chapter 12 of the book of Genesis. Uh, You'll have kind of a quick, um, just a very snippet outline, and we'll get into it in more detail, okay, a little bit later, all right? Um, Genesis chapter 12, notice, beginning in verse 1, Now the Lord said to Abram, and I want you to notice, okay, his name hadn't been changed yet, so we're still with Abram. You have Abram and Sarai before their names are changed to Abraham and Sarah. Okay? So all throughout this you're going to hear me interchangeably use Abram and Abraham. Okay? Just depending on where we are in the text. So here in chapter 12 now the Lord said to Abram go forth from your country and from your relatives and from your father's house to the land which I will show you and I will make you a great nation and I will bless you and make your name great. Now What's interesting there is that phrase, that I will make you a great nation. Uh, I think we need to understand the significance of that phrase, I will make you a great nation. A nation is generally characterized uh, as a political unit with a common land, a language, and a government. That was God's intent with the children of Israel, was to eventually bring them into the land of Canaan and establish them in the land of Canaan. The form of government, the law, of course. The law is divided into three parts, ceremonial, social, and religious, okay? And so when you look at all of the, that law to put them in place, uh, to place them with God wanting to be their king, all right, but they would be a form of government within inside of their own selves. And so as you come to verse number three, and I will bless those who bless you and the one who curses you, I will curse. And in you, all the families of the earth will be blessed. Isn't that amazing? All right? That's the promise that God made to Abraham. Now, in closing tonight, I want to do one last thing. I want you to go to Matthew chapter 3. I'm just going to give you a quick run through in the synoptic gospels concerning, uh, because I want you to see this from the, uh, from the religious elite's perspective. Okay? Matthew chapter 3 and verse number 9. Okay? Now, Jesus is having a discussion. He finds himself here, and of course, uh, John the Baptist, you have the preaching of John the Baptist. Um, And uh, they come across, they come, of course, course, to the Jordan River. Uh, Verse 7 But when he saw many of the Pharisees and Sadducees coming for baptism, he said to them, Now this is John the Baptist, he's speaking, and here's what he says. He said, you brood of vipers, who warned you to flee from the wrath to come, therefore bear fruit in keeping with repentance. And do not suppose that you can say to yourselves, we have Abraham for our father, for I say to you that from these stones, God is able to raise up children to Abraham. Let's go to Luke chapter 1, and verse 73. We're going to talk more about that a little bit later, okay? And the significance of that statement. Luke chapter 1. And I want you to notice is Zechariah, okay? Zechariah speaks here. Zechariah is going to prophesy, and I want you to notice what he says in verse 73. The oath which he swore to Abraham, our what? Our father. To Abraham, our father. And then let's go to the gospel of John, all right? Turn with me to John chapter number 8. John chapter 8 and verse 39. John chapter 8 and verse 39. Jesus is going to respond here concerning Abraham John chapter number 8 in verse 39 they answered and said to him Abraham is our father and Jesus said to them if you're Abraham's children do the deeds of Abraham but as it is you're seeking to kill me a man who has told you the truth which I heard from God this Abraham did not do You are doing the deeds of your father. And then he goes on, of course, through the rest of the conversation here. So you see where Abraham is brought into the picture once again. And then go to verse 53 of John chapter 8. And notice what they tell him. Surely you are not greater than our father Abraham who died. The prophets died too. Whom do you make yourself out to be? If I glorify myself, my glory is nothing. It is my Father who glorifies me, of whom you say he is our God. And you have not come to know him, but I know him. And if I say that I do not know him, I will be a liar like you. But I do know him and keep his word. Your father Abraham rejoiced to see my day, and he saw it and was glad. And so the Jews said to him, You are not yet fifty years old, and you have seen Abraham? Had no idea who he was, did they? All right. We'll stop there tonight. That's, that's a lot. That's just kind of to whet your appetite. But let me, let me, let me say a couple more things as we close tonight. Here, here's something else that I want you to understand. There's a showdown coming in Jerusalem. Keep in mind, we've been talking about Abraham, okay? The father of the covenant. Well, remember when I talked about two other individuals by the name of Ishmael and Esau? There is one who traces themselves back to Abraham, and they refer to Abraham as their father. Okay? There's coming a showdown between the flesh and the spirit, and it is going to occur in Jerusalem. And that showdown will take place, and of course, we all know the location of that, and that's the Temple Mount in Jerusalem. Today, the Temple Mount, the Dome of the Rock, is occupied by Muslims, by Islam. Islam holds very, very, very firm uh, to Abraham as their father. And so that showdown will come. Uh, It is going to occur because a new temple is going to be built in Jerusalem. Uh, Where exactly that temple is going to be built, we don't know for sure. There is speculation that it is going to be built on the Dome of the Rock. Uh, The significance of the Dome of the Rock is supposedly the exact place where Abraham went to, uh, to offer up Isaac, his son. Thus their father, Abraham. All right? Thus the mosque, the dome of the rock that is there. There are some who say that the temple, the new temple, is going to be built on the dome of the rock. If that is the case, that means that there will be a showdown concerning the dome of the rock. Irregardless, it doesn't make any difference, I can tell you who's going to win that whole entire battle. The temple's going to be rebuilt, it is going to be set up for worship when the second coming of Jesus Christ comes. And it is God himself who is going to bring all of this to fruition. So as we look at these covenants and we see the way all of this is tied together, my dear friend, if you don't, if you don't get anything else out of all of this, here's what I hope you understand. I hope you see this, the sovereignty of God, and he's in control of it all. And it is the very plan that he put in place, beginning with the, with the patriarchs, all the way through the book of the Revelation genesis to the book of the revelation is all tied together significantly by god himself amen i know that's a lot okay but hold on we're going to go back now and we'll start to unpack some of it as we go through abraham isaac and jacob amen i don't know about y'all but i'm looking forward to one day to seeing who they are Hmm? i don't know about you Uh, but just just to just to see amen let's stand and we'll be dismissed in a word of prayer and uh hope you have a good week please be safe all right and uh just be attentive to your surroundings pray for those that uh just desperately need our prayers uh tonight as well amen all right let's bow our heads together as we pray father we thank you for the time we've had together to study your word tonight and father i thank you for just the privilege and the opportunity that we have to study it. Uh, But Father, more than anything else, Father, I pray that as we look earnestly, uh, Father, toward your return, Father, may we be understanding and realizing uh, that the day that we live in is desperately wicked. And Father, they need the gospel. Uh, Father, help us be a light bearer. Father, help us to be the salt Help us to share the gospel with those that so desperately need it today. May we redeem the time uh, because of the days that we live in, knowing, that Father, that you're going to send Jesus Christ one day to call the church home. And, Father, we look forward to that day with anticipation. Father, be with all of those that are on the prayer list that we've mentioned by name tonight. I pray that you would provide for them what only you can. Dismiss us now with your love. And we'll be careful to thank you and praise you. In Jesus' name, amen. And you're dismissed.